Hello and welcome to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryson, Head of Investment Consulting at John Hancock Investment Management. Today is March 17th, 2022. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all the Irish out there. I am joined today by David Cohen and Josh White of Boston Partners, who are both managers on the John Hancock Dislin Value Fund. Earlier this year, the fund hit its 25th anniversary, and we're very excited about the success it's had and the opportunities going forward. Just to give you a little bit of info, since the fund launched in 1997, it's outperformed its benchmark by 30 basis points and the large value peers by 150 basis points each year. So we're very happy with the performance. So I have David and Josh on. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. Hey, John. Thanks for having us on today. All right. Excellent. So I want to talk about the opportunity in value. And maybe, David, I'll start with you. What's the short-term and the long-term case for value right now? Sure. So I think to, to really understand the, the, the short and the long-term cases, you need to understand the context of growth versus value in the markets. So you know, we've, everyone knows we've gone through this unprecedented period of outperformance of growth stocks over the past decade, particular, particularly from 2017 through 2021. But why? So really, if you rewind the clock, we were in a disinflationary environment. You had interest rates that were very low around the world, negative in Europe. You had low levels of inflation, scarce growth that was focused almost exclusively in the tech sector. That forced investors further and further out the risk curve, and they started to capitalize earnings far into the distant future, which led to this massive expansion in multiples for growth stocks. So if you, if you look at where we are today, the investment landscape completely changed during COVID. You had massive stimulus during COVID, which included the, the Fed's balance sheet doubling. You had stimulus checks being handed out to consumers and support provided to businesses. Then if you fast forward to the to um, really the fall of 2020, we got the vaccines and demand recovered very, very quickly. So today, where are we? We have record job openings with just 4% unemployment, CPI of 8%, a housing market that's on fire, spiking oil and gas prices with very high food and materials prices. And then you have persistent supply chain issues that are likely to continue for at least the next 12 to 24 months. So, you know, that backdrop is very supportive for, for value investments. So over the short term, you know, growth is in price discovery mode. I, I have a former colleague and a good friend that runs a, a high profile growth fund at a competitor shop. And he used to tell me that the old rule of thumb was you buy growth stocks at five times sales and then you sell them when they get to 10 times. Well, here we are, you know, last cycle, we got to 30 to 80 times sales multiples for hyper growth stocks. That's unsustainable and it's unwinding. And we think over the short term, that'll continue to, to unwind as the Fed tightens. And then on the flip side of that, value is attractive. If, if you look at the PE multiples for large cap value, it's in, it's in line with its historical mean, as opposed to these growth stocks, which are trading well above long-term multiples. And then if you just look over the longer term, we think that the, the, the setup for value has some very attractive sectors. You, know, you have a mix of secular and cyclical drivers in the healthcare, tech, energy and industrial space, which we think are going to play out over time. Excellent. I think we can dig into some of those going forward. But uh, Josh, I want to pull you into the conversation. Let's talk about the Boston Partners value approach. How did it start and maybe how has it evolved over time? Sure. So Boston Partners was founded over 25 years ago, and, and we really had one investment philosophy and process across all of our strategies. And so that remains as true today as it was back then. 
you know, we invest exactly how we tell our clients that we invest. We don't drift from our process or philosophy, no matter what the market throws at us. And really, our, our specialty is value investing with an equal emphasis, not only on value, but also business fundamentals and business momentum. Um, so I think, you know, a few key points to sort of take away from this discussion. For each stock that's in our portfolio, we have a clear alpha thesis that that's developed by analyzing the business fundamentals, the business momentum, and the valuation. Um, we have very low employee turnover and a lot of investing experience within our organization. So personally, I've been with Boston Partners for almost 16 years now, uh, beginning as an analyst and then working my way up through the system internally. Um, you know, we joke that we like to find people early in their career and sort of brainwash them into our style of investing. And it's a joke, but, but there's some truth to that joke as well. Um, but I think that when you look across all of our products, um, you know, there's very consistent trends in performance. And I think that that uh, just shows that, that our results are driven more by the consistent application of our philosophy and our process by the entire investment team rather than the contributions of a key person. Um, and then finally, uh, we invest a lot of our own money um, into our funds. And, and, and so our interests are very much aligned with those of our clients. Um, when you think about the style of value investing that Boston Partners employs, you know it's really rooted in a concept that we call the three circles. Um, so you should expect our funds to have more attractive valuation quality and momentum characteristics than the market and the benchmark. Um, you know, we think this is important because uh, stocks that generally trade at a discount to their intrinsic value um, outperform expensive stocks over longer time periods. You know, second companies that have very strong business fundamentals outperform lower quality businesses. And then third stocks with positive momentum and tangible catalysts uh, will outperform stocks with negative momentum. And so if you can be better on all three of those factors, you've tilted the probabilities in your favor before you even layer in the, the bottom-up alpha thesis on each individual holding. So very early in the value cycle, you tend to see deep value outperform dramatically for a short period of time. Then as you move into the middle innings, you want to own good businesses with positive business momentum um, that trade at valuations below their intrinsic value. And so that's where we think we are right now. And it's really the sweet spot for our strategy. Um, but we'll talk about uh, in a little bit more detail about different markets um, and, and how our strategy performs in those markets um, historically. Um, but we think our style generally has a more consistent return uh, characteristic and, and is less prone to sort of those feast and famine periods in the way that a deep value investor might be. So, David, you were on my podcast at the beginning of the COVID uh, epidemic, and that was a period of stress. And I, I want to ask, in these periods of stress, there's got to be this pressure to keep up with what's going on in the market. How do you and the team manage that pressure and stick with your approach versus trying to chase opportunities and returns? I think it comes down to the, the discipline of the organization. I mean, at Boston Partners, we, we really have one specific process and philosophy that we've employed since the beginning of the organization, since, since it was founded in the 90s. And we just go back to that. So we're, we're looking for very specific things in stocks and investments. We're looking for attractive valuation. We're looking for quality businesses. And we're looking for businesses that are improving. 
And so, you know, we, we easily keep ourselves on track by just focusing on those things. And if we can do that and, ha- and everybody in the organization is, is, is focused on working the process, we think that, you know, we can, we can continue to deliver for shareholders. All right. That makes sense. Uh, Josh, I want to talk to you and maybe start around current opportunities. We're seeing a lot of volatility. Our opportunities popping up. What, so, Josh, talk to us about healthcare. Sure. So, when we look at some of the more traditional defensive sectors in the marketplace, um, healthcare really stands out to us as one that has the most attractive valuation characteristics. A lot of the others, um, consumer staples and utilities and REITs, they've been bond proxies for the past decade plus. And so as interest rates have been falling towards zero, uh, the valuations at these businesses have expanded and um, are not as attractive as they uh, have been historically. Uh, On the flip side of that, healthcare really today represents an attractive value opportunity, but also has those defensive characteristics that we're looking for. So within healthcare, I think you can really break down the universe of stocks into two momentum buckets. Uh, The first would be the COVID beneficiaries. Um, You could include companies that produce COVID vaccines, companies that produce COVID tests, companies that process COVID tests. Um, And then you have those that that have had COVID-related headwinds. And for those companies that have headwinds, the last two years have seen some issues either in the form of higher costs for healthcare services um, or slower growth at pharmaceutical and med device companies. And this is just because doctor's visits were slower than usual, healthcare facility staffing has been an issue, and there's really a long laundry list here of of issues that these companies have been facing. So what we're seeing right now is that earnings momentum is starting to recover while many of these businesses are trading at very inexpensive valuations. And then in addition, as I mentioned, they have those defensive attributes that are going to serve us well uh, if the economy slows going forward. So we've been adding uh, to our exposure in this sector. David, um, again, back to the podcast we had, you had me thinking about buying oil around 30. I wish I had listened. Let's talk about energy right now. It's a, it's a really interesting uh, sector. What's going on there? Where are you finding opportunities? Where are you being careful? Yeah, John, I remember doing the podcast with you. It was late spring or early summer of 2020. The day that oil prices went negative in the United yeah States. yeah and as a, <laughs> as a long-term energy analyst i never thought i'd see that um but but we did you know it, and and we've believed as an organization for a few years now that we were going to we were entering a period of, of sustainably higher oil and gas prices and that's certainly materialized particularly over the, over the past few months um you know under investment in energy infrastructure over the past decade has finally caught up with the world you know we have a full-blown energy crisis in europe with skyrocketing gas prices high oil prices, you know, fears of just shortage. Um, you know, Russia is a major oil and gas supplier to, to Europe and, and the rest of the world. And there's a threat to that source of supply. And we just haven't invested enough to come up with alternative sources of, of you know, of, of oil and gas supply. And so, you know, replacing that production, if Russia happens to go off, will be will be virtually impossible. We're, we're drawing down inventories rapidly. We're scrambling to bring back production from Iran and Venezuela. Um, the Saudis are reluctant to, to grow production, and the U.S. investors have become uh, very disciplined. So, you know, as long as demand stays strong and capital investment in the sector stays disciplined, we're likely to see high prices with, with the potential for spikes. 
Um, you know, if you, if you look at it from an investment perspective, energy stocks, particularly the, the exploration and production companies, represent extraordinary value. A lot of these stocks trade at 15 to 20% free cash flow yields, some of them as high as 30%. And the balance sheets are phenomenally strong and they have great cash return profiles. Many of the, the, the companies move to defined cash distribution frameworks. They invest to hold oils flat or for, for modest growth for, for oil volumes, with, but the vast majority of ca free cash flow goes back to shareholders through dividends and stock buybacks. That's a profile we like a lot of Boston partners and, and we've, we've invested fairly heavily in the EMP sector, sector. If you think about it from a risk perspective, um, the main risk is that demand falls due to a recession. But there's there needs to be a structural fix for this for this problem. So we have to invest, or we have to find substitution. And either of those things is going to require significant capex over the next several years. And it's not going to be coming from the U.S. And so um, you know, so we think that the the energy tightness and the potential for spikes is going to go on for for several years. Now, David. Josh had actually mentioned tech is one of the best opportunities. So, you know, energy is a classic one, healthcare we talked about, but tech, you don't hear a lot. And I think a month ago, maybe two months ago, you would never have said tech is an interesting value opportunity. Dig into that for our clients. What's going on right now that really, you know, identifies some options for you? Yeah, we, we like the setup for technology a lot. Um, on a secular basis, we think that these companies are set up to grow faster than, than the market and to deliver very you know, high margins and, and be very cash generative over time. And really it starts with what's going on in the broader economy in terms of digitization and just this, this move to a data economy. Everything in, 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 in every sector of the economy is becoming digitized and electrified. If, if you look at consumer devices, it's obvious with cell phones, but um, you know, even in the industrial space, I, I had a call with a large industrial company yesterday and they were talking about how um, they need to hire 15,000 people over the next five years, and there just aren't that many people around. So they're looking heavily at automation and robotics to help offset some of the, the labor demands. Well, what needs to happen for, for, for that technology to be deployed? You need to invest in semiconductors because semiconductors are the enabling technology for, for everything that's going on in, in, in terms of this digitization trend. And so, um, you know, we have a, a very heavy weight to semiconductors in the portfolio, um, semiconductor capital equipment companies. These are very high quality businesses, high margins, gross and EBITDA margins, um, very cash generative, great cash conversion. And they give a lot of the cash back to shareholders. So, you know, we think the, the, the secular trends in technology are strong and the valuations are quite attractive. You're, we see, you know, low to, to mid-teen uh, PE multiples with sort of six, seven, eight percent free cash flow yields in some cases for businesses, you know, again, that have high returns, high margins, and that are likely to outgrow the economy for the better part of the next decade. Love it. So at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned it's the 25th year anniversary of the strategy. And we actually had this podcast scheduled for earlier in the year. Uh, but with all the volatility going on, as we talked, we said, you know what? We got work to do. You guys had work to do finding opportunities. Let's push the podcast a little bit. But what I'd ask both of you, and David, maybe I'll start with you, is as we face these volatile times, like volatility is not going away. You've been doing this for decades. What's your advice for investors to navigate these volatile times? 
I think you, the main thing that comes to mind, it's really two things. One is stick with what you do best. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Boston Partners has a very defined process. And I think particularly now that that momentum circle is what, what keeps us out of trouble. You might have a stock that's extremely high quality or that is extremely attractively valued, but the momentum is just negative. And, you know, sometimes you have to take shots on stocks that, that have negative mo if they're, if they're you know, unusual opportunities. But I think being disciplined around all three circles for us is really the thing that keeps us on track. Excellent. Excellent. Josh, what would you share with our listeners about what you've learned, how to navigate these volatile times? Yeah, so I would just, again, reiterate what David said, is you, you need to have a disciplined process and you need to stick to it. And when you when you spend years and decades developing and refining a process, you just have to recognize all the time and effort and brain power that went into developing that process. And when something in the market catches you by surprise or you start to doubt it, you, you just have to stick to it and realize that you know, you've been through periods like this before, you've stuck to this process and it's worked in your favor. And so I think avoiding emotional decision-making and really trying to understand you know, the way that markets work, the way that investor psychology works, and just, you know, trying to keep your head above that and not get caught up in the noise um, is super important in times like this. It's great advice. Guys, I want to congratulate you and the team on a a great 25-year stretch. Looking forward to another 25. Uh, Thanks for joining me today. It's always nice to connect with both of you. Folks, if you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast on iTunes or our website, hjhinvestments.com. You can catch up with all the stuff that we're talking about. There's a lot of things going on in the marketplace. We want to keep you up to speed. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast is being brought to you by John Hancock Investment Management Distributors, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker, are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment strategy discussed will be successful or achieve any particular level of results. Any economic or market performance information is historical and is not indicative of future results and no forecasts are guaranteed. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. The Russell 1000 Value Index tracks the performance of publicly traded large cap companies in the United States with lower price to book ratios and lower forecasted growth values. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. Value stocks may decline in price. Foreign investing, especially in emerging markets, has additional risks, such as currency and market volatility and political and social instability. Large company stocks could fall out of favor and illiquid securities may be difficult to sell at a price approximating their value. Please see the fund's prospectus for additional risks. Clients should carefully consider a fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses before investing. Request a prospectus or summary prospectus with this or other important information. Please call us at 800-225-6020 or visit us at ghinvestments.com. All data is as of March 31st, 2022. John Hancock Discipline Value Class I Performance 
without sales charge, one-year return, 13.73%, three-year, 14.27%, five-year, 11.10%, 10-year, 11.66%, since inception, 9.11%. Russell 1000 Value Index, one-year return, 11.67%, three-year, 13.02%, five-year, 10.29%, 10-year, 11.70%, since inception, 8.77%. The large cap value category performance, one year, 12.97%, three year, 13.21%, five year, 10.56%, 10-year, 10.87%. Expense ratio, class I, gross, 0.77%, net, 0.77%. Past performance shown here, reflects reinvested distributions and the beneficial effect of any expense reductions and does not guarantee future results. The sales charge for class A shares reflects the maximum sales charge of 5%. For class I shares, there is no sales charge. Returns for the period shorter than one year are cumulative and results for other share classes will vary. Shares will fluctuate in value and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than the original cost. Current performance may be lower or higher than the performance cited. For the most recent month-end performance, visit jhinvestments.com. Returns prior to the commencement of Class A and Class I shares are those of Rubico Boston Partners Large Cap Value Fund, the predecessor fund, and have not been adjusted for expenses, otherwise returns would vary. The Russell 1000 Index tracks the performance of publicly traded large cap value companies in the United States with lower price-to-book ratios and lower forecasted growth values. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. Performance data shown excludes fees and expenses. The performance data would be lower if such fees and expenses were included. Past performance does not guarantee future results.